to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good evening, listeners, and welcome to the Big Red Couch. Here, in the darkened, pre-apocalyptic nightmare that is the United Kingdom, I'm Craig. And over in the, uh, you know, it's okay, Sunny, and people are concerned and being practical, but it's okay, New Zealand. I mean, we aren't out of double figures yet, thank goodness, but that's going to change at some point, I'm sure. It's Ben. So, how's it going, Ben? How, how are things in Fortress New Zealand? Yeah, quiet at the moment. It seems, well, actually, it's hard to tell. I've been, you know, working from home for a week, so everything's a little bit surreal, but also very normal because. Like, I get out very much. So, yeah. So the cough apocalypse hasn't affected me at a great a great deal at this point. We still have bog roll and, you know, food on the shelves and so forth. So it's all... It's all pretty... It's quiet. Hmm. For the benefit of anybody listening, it is around the 20th of March, depending on where you sit in relation to the dateline. So what we're saying may turn out by the time the episode drops uh, to be hilariously out of touch and um, oh those heady days of two weeks ago indeed indeed that at the moment podcasts have kind of like have have been ramping up their release schedules immensely in fact that appears to be most of what is occurring in the western world as far as i can tell it's just podcasting people just podcasting so our three week schedule is a little bit uh it's a bit lackadaisical, but that's our speed, I've got to say. Um, so yes, some things, may, all of the stuff we might be saying might be in either archaeological significance to future um, space-faring races, or just tasteless by the time it's released. I mean, to be fair, it's probably tasteless a bit at the time that it's recorded, so yeah. we're going for consistency here. Consistency above all. Indeed. Stick to the brand. Stick to the brand. Indeed own the brand yes i also have been working from home for most of the past week since when i talked to my manager about working from home for a while my manager basically doubled down and said you should just work from home until it blows over because you get every lung condition going this seems wise indeed i was i was pretty comfortable with it then a few hours later the government announced that if you could work from home you should and it genuinely looked like my co-workers were looting the office uh, how, how quickly society crumbles, especially in a uh, corporate environment. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. I was tempted to see if I could get the printer into the lift without anybody noticing, but there were just too many witnesses. And also, oh. I'm pretty sure the lift in my building wouldn't take it. Yeah. Pesky. Safety interlocks. Uh, also, I have no actual use for it, but that's not the point. I, I confess that some of my time working from home involved watching a very comprehensive panel about lift security overrides and keys. Fascinating stuff. Also, as they keep, as the people keep saying, it's like, this is an excellent way to have yourself killed. <laughs> Good to know. Okay. Yeah. So, just, just in reference to the, the, the that, that Fortress New Zealand comment... I am in the odd situation of being a New Zealander overseas when the New Zealand government has basically said, hey, unless you're a citizen or a permanent resident or the family of one, uh, no thanks, and more or less closed the borders. 
this isn't exactly unique. There are quite a lot of other countries that are doing this. And while I had no intention of running back to New Zealand, uh, doing okay here, actually, it's slightly sobering to realize that I probably can't. It was an option. Yes, it was an option. But while I can sort of get in, if there's a flight, the number of flights is dropping and the number of airports along the way in countries who have just said, yeah, no, is, is increasing. We'd rather not. Indeed. Mm. It's not quite at the level of put a bag on my back, walk towards the English Channel and try to find a boat, but it is at the level, it's, it's heading towards the level of this will not be an easy journey if you decide to make it. It's going to take some time and probably some backtracking. Yeah, yeah. Now that is, uh, not that I've taken advantage of it, but we've been somewhat spoiled by the age of ubiquitous international travel. Also, there may be drawbacks. I'm starting to realize this now. There are some significant drawbacks to having a really, really good transport system. Yes. Hmm. This, this is one of those. Not going to lie. Yeah. So. Yeah. We won't dwell on this further, but you know, this particular outbreak may be in the sweet spot of does not annihilate a, a vast percentage of, uh, of the species, but also highlights certain things people should be concerned about going forward. So, yay? Hmm. One of those shock to the system kind of things. Yeah, yeah. If people, the the, the numbers that we're, we're seeing from places like Italy and so forth, you're like, going, well, no, not good. Hmm. Yes, I am in the process of contacting various friends scattered around the world. One of the disadvantages of having done a bunch of backpacking is that you know people roughly everywhere. Hmm. Um... It's sort of a, okay, so how are things in Sicily? Ah, self-isolating, I see. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's presumably advantages as well. And in this day and age, you can at least, rather than, than scrawling um, airmail letters to them that they can, uh, you know, first autoclave before they read. But yes, mm. uh, so they're, 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 this era has its own challenges, which I'm sure we are, we'll, we'll rub along, I'm sure. Hopefully we sure. can all, you know, stay at a, a, a respectable and normal distance of six feet and wash our hands frequently and it's all going to be fine. While singing happy birthday? Or any of the terrible My Sharona filks that I've been stuck in my head? Sure. Oh, oh. I heard the start of an I Come On Eileen one today and then stopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they were using the sing happy birthday as a, as a timing get about 20 seconds of hand washing uh, mm. in the in the uk yeah as you say it is it is quite odd to be self-isolating and yet be able to talk to absolutely anybody i've ever met in my life mm. even baffled relatives with weird racist theories anywho right um <laughs> we will uh so audient Sh shall we unpack that one or just let it no no let's no, just no, leave no. it lie shall we all right let's all pretend we didn't hear that audience <laughs> so this episode this episode which i i need to get up on, in front of me because it's important to get this right for for posterity <clears throat> this comes to us from the fertile brain of one of kev's students in an exam and reads the maltese falcon gun a famous weapon once owned by the king of the popes there is a lot going on 
in that sense. There is so much going on. And and just to make sure that I'm that, that I haven't cheated, and because I've been slightly busy doing other things, I have not refreshed my memory on what the Maltese Falcon strictly is. So it is kind of merging because I know that I first encountered it in random places, not in the original the original form. It was kind of a kind of a boomer meme kind of thing. So comics and cartoons would reference this thing. So I can quite understand how someone might get a level of confusion about the topic. <laughs> but hmm This is an extraordinary level of confusion about the topic. Just by looking yeah, there are several things to uh, that, that to tip you off. <laughs> Subtle clues, odd little hints that have been worked in there that this person may not have been as prepared for this exam as they thought they were. Indeed, but exam stress and all that, I'm sure it was a, a very... Um, it, it could have been one of those ones where they start off like, the purpose of media analysis, oh fuck, I don't know, doing fish, 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 <laughs> fish, 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 fish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does this mean? What does any of this mean? <laughs> yeah. So, I, I have an idea, and then I have another much crapper idea which fortunately kind of sits in the same space as listener john's much better idea so we've kind of covered ourselves a bit there how how, how did you do for i've got an i've got an idea it probably is one of those ones that works more as like a twisty short story more than a game but i'll see we, we could see what we can do with it we can workshop it it's mm -hmm. what we're best at to the well, extent that we're best at any. It is what we are most practiced at. Nice. You can't nice. see me grinning and sincerely and giving the thumbs up. Yeah, but I can imagine it, and that's almost as good. Excellent. So, would you like to lead off with your good idea, or your, your redeemed by outside influences idea? Let's lead <laughs> off with the good idea, because I, I covered two sides of, of, of a sheet of paper with notes for this thing. It's um, problematic, to be honest. Sign of a diseased mind. So, I see this as a phrase or, or a clue that comes up in one of those follow-the-obscure-clues sorts of games, sort of in the style of National Treasure or the Indiana Jones movies or the Da Vinci Code. Or any Call of Cthulhu game. Or any Call of Cthulhu game, yeah. But that, 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 that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. As far as actually running a game like that, because I have tried in the past to do games where I had sort of clever clues and subtle hints and it turns out i'm really really bad at coming up with subtle hints that players actually notice uh it could have just been the players at the time it could have just been where i was at at the time but i ran an enormous number of really shit games based on the idea that the players would actually notice something that they just didn't so my way of getting around that because ultimately, I think for, for an Indiana Jones, National Treasure, didn't she go, whatever sort of game, I think it's less important that the players figure out what you meant by the clue, mm. and more that they come up with something entertaining to wrap around the clue, which sort of puts me in mind of the brainstorming system from the Atomic Robo RPG, mm -hmm. which, I mean, they use for sort of scientific declarations, but it's, it's a fate system. It's... It's a system for basically, okay, we go around and we, we use our skills to come up with different aspects to tag a particular event or situation with. And then at the end of it, we've got one that sort of wraps it all up and 
you know, we know what's going on, and it is by definition accurate. Mm. So I'd use the same thing for for this that you basically present the the players with the next cryptic clue, and then step back and let their characters come up with whatever complete horseshit they want to that sort of matches into this because they are competent and knowledgeable researchers and adventurers. Of course they're correct about what the clue means, no matter how convoluted they make it, but also with the understanding that things may have changed since that clue or event or historical record was, which gives the opportunity to uh, screw with things. Well, it's precisely what happens in fiction, where that someone says, all right, here is a story that most most writers, unless it's possibly one of those long-form fanfiction things, don't just start writing and throw things in and then try and... Sorry, they, a story normally has a destination to get to. And you work out the evidence that someone in that sort of detective story kind of style investigation, what they need to get to that conclusion because there's a bunch of other things about the character arcs and the themes and so forth and other sort of clever reveals and special effects even sometimes i mean the um was it the the wacky thing with the staff and the um and the beam of light showing where the MacGuffin was hidden in indiana jones that sort of stuff oh, yeah. clearly they're kind of like okay what can we do with this oh we can make a really cool model and do this thing that sounds really cool okay how would we get there how would they work that out how do we how do we get back to this yeah yeah exactly so rather than reverse engineering it from those elements what you're doing is is taking what you've got and i mean you could just say if if they had this clue this phrase the maltese falcon gun one of the one of the things is like oh right this this the the original text was it a dashiell hammett book or i believe so yeah the original text was actually a a an, an encoded clue itself the maltese falcon thing was actually a secret world war Two weapons project or something like that Nice. So they, they could be working that sort of stuff backwards. Or, yes, it's just the deluded ramblings of a highly caffeinated media studies student. <laughs> <laughs> but that's still relevant to the story in some way. Indeed. So, yeah, so absolutely, even, you know, either as a game or as a mechanism where you're doing some sort of detective work, they can they can work both ways. So, yeah, no, it's, a, it's an, awesome, an awesome way to think about that. And you're giving a license to the players to do... I mean, and, you know, Atomic Robo, you're going like, what does, can this mean? Oh, this means monkey ninjas. And it's like, excellent, monkey ninjas. That, wasn't, that must be what it means, because the players are all about monkey ninjas. And that is what, that is, what is best in life, Conan. All about the monkey ninjas. So, yes, so I decided, okay, I, I will take this thing and run with it. So, the king of the popes. How do you become king? Generally, it's by inheritance, which seems unlikely. Seems impossible practical <laughs> here winning or seizing the throne over your rival or possibly by simply being the greatest of them i mean elvis mm. did not become the king of rock and roll by defeating all of the other musicians in single combat wait a bit um, wait a bit you, you absolutely know he did in six string, string samurai that is how that 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 future came about okay that is fair okay <laughs> With the exception of the movie, Elvis became the, uh, the the king of rock and roll by being the greatest. That's how it worked. And so I basically went with, okay, so how do, how do you how do you do that with the popes? And we're sticking purely with the Roman Catholic Church here. 
I'm, my, my knowledge of theology is shaky at best, but I'm pretty sure you kind of have to, or you're... I guess there's also... There, there might have been East, Eastern Orthodox. There's Eastern Orthodox. There's also the whole thing of the, 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 the classic... The, the classic pub quiz question of is the Pope a Catholic? Because the answer apparently is no. Ooh. The only person whose official title is Pope isn't in the Roman Catholic Church. It's in one of the Eastern ones. Ah, uh, right. Okay. <laughs> um, in any case, so. It also presupposes multiple popes, which is a historical fact, but it, it, is, a, it is a necessity. Oh, and that's where we're going with this. So, 1415. At the end of the Western Schism of the Roman Catholic Church, Pope Martin V was elected, which could make him the victor, because it was basically when they had multiple popes, they settled it. Pope Martin V was elected, would make him the victor and the only pope. Apart, of course, from Benedict XIII, Benedict XIV, and Clement VIII. Alternatively, in that same time, Pope John XXIII and Pope Gregory Twelfth were the two popes who were pope at the same time who agreed to settle the schism and then both resigned to make it happen, which would make them the greatest. So we've got three different candidates for who the king of the popes could be, just based on that. Looking for the Maltese falcon gun, well, you've got the Knights of Malta, mm. who it turns out are actually a sovereign national entity. Like, they have an observer seat at the UN. Golly. Yeah. The Sovereign Military Order of St. John of Jerusalem, of Rhodes, and of Malta. At the time of the, the end of the Western Schism, they weren't actually in Malta yet. They were based out of Rhodes, and they were a naval force in the Mediterranean. They got to Malta about a century later. Um, so clearly, the Maltese Falcon Gun was a cannon of some sort, probably very highly decorated and embellished, and perhaps named after a pope, as a way to grant it a sort of a special significance and authority. Well, that whole, that um, ratio regis, the, the you know, last argument of kings. Oh, ultima ratio regum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah one, could, one could argue that, um, you know, you sort of, you've, you've got this canon that has got the, the name and possibly the likeness of the Pope lovingly engraved into it. And, you know, perhaps this, this means that you are making your attack or making your defense with the literal authority of the church becomes very Warhammer at that point, especially if oh, yeah. the, the ordinance issues from the mouth of the... Ugh. Okay, that, that, that's a little more creepy than I was intending. Yeah. Um, so you put these together. Whatever the players are looking for is hidden in or possibly carved into a canon that belonged to the Knights of Malta and was named for one of the three popes who ended the uh, Western Schism. The falcon bit is either denoting that it's decorated to look like a falcon or, just to complicate things further, the falcon bit indicates that it was given to or given to somebody or paid by the Knights of Malta as a tribute to someone. Because there is this entire thing of the tribute of the Maltese falcon, which is, was this annual payment made by the Knights of one falcon on All Saints Day uh, in return for the granting of Tripoli, Malta, and Goza. Very much a peppercorn rental kind of situation. It's a it's a very bitey peppercorn, but okay. It's a very bitey peppercorn. So yeah, that was that was kind of what I on uh, Wikipedia. Uh, okay, so anyway, that was that was kind of my breakdown of an idea for this Maltese Falcon Gun game. As far as how how the thing would run, I suspect it. To be honest, I suspect I would want to run it 
just like a just like an Indiana Jones type adventure. It sounds like a, a pulp adventure, but I I gotta call you on something. Mm-hmm. Did you make any of that shit up? Martin the Fifth? There were five popes called Martin? I mean to be fair, this was during a era where there was a lot of poping going on. It sounded weird the instant I said it. <laughs> There was this whole thing where effectively the papacy left Rome, I think went to Avignon and was very much kind of, I, I'm not certain and I, I don't actually know how to find out how, how much they were influencing the French throne and how much the French throne were influencing them. But for a while there, there were multiple popes mm. who were, were, were happily excommunicating each other um, so when, for example, I think from memory, John the Twenty Third, I think of Avignon, but I could be wrong on this one because I didn't note it down, proposed this council to resolve the schism. Gregory the Twelfth, I think of Rome, had said, "Yeah, okay, let's let, let's do this. Let's let's figure it out." Um, yeah, at that point, eh, the die was kind of set. Benedict the Thirteenth uh, did not come to the party, and so they, the two of them. Basically, yeah, they had a council. Those two um, resigned. Pope Martin V was was elected. Meanwhile, a bunch of other people elected Pope Clement VIII because they wanted their own pope for some reason. It, it's sort of the equivalent of the Romans um, deciding that their general should be uh, emperor and marching on Rome, except they decide one of their cardinals should be pope and excommunicating everybody. Right. So yeah, none of that was made up. Some of it incredibly misunderstood. That mm. is what you get when I wake up early and start pissing about on Wikipedia. Clearly that's more for your historically Pope enthusiast style game, which is great. And if people want to do that, they should. My eyes crossed several times listening to some of that, though. Just, <laughs> I, mean, I, I like historical minutia, but that was starting to accelerate out of stuff I could keep track of. Cool. That was that was getting into the level of Da Vinci Code. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, level. And you know, to be fair, I did like that movie. So, yeah. At any point when you have knights in the Mediterranean being on the the UN, uh, UN Council, you you're kind of there. You you're kind of smack in the middle of your your Dan Browns. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I I certainly I think the mechanic of sort of like clue interpretation might clash with having really deep setting stuff especially if you're if you're building a setting as you go or you've got you've got like loosely arranged that would give you more opportunities to make statements of fact about your your world rather than are just oh this person was wildly misinformed about history but the fact that they were looking at these things gave us some more information Mm. so so that could definitely that could definitely be a way of doing it if you're actually wanting to keep all of your historical popes in a row that may be less of a less of an approach yeah i mean i i was using that more as a thing you could do and i mean what actually comes out of it is what we are looking for is a really big thing that has got one of these three names carved on it and looks a bit like a falcon in some degree and used to be owned because in this case i i kind of reinterpreted owned by the king of the popes as named for mm. yeah yeah no i was i was pretty impressed with the uh the gymnastics that you used to get 
Thank you. That was that, that was pretty good. The only uh, other option I could come up with is that those those Maltese knights really dislike birds of prey, so they had a particular gun for taking them out. Ooh, just some kind of okay. So a very early medieval shotgun. Yes, primitive anti-aircraft kind of thing. <laughs> Anti-falcon gun. Yeah. Mm. Yes, I think if I was doing this as if I was doing this as a game, it would be nice to do it episodic. And yeah, that's more or less how movies of the same ilk are done. And basically end each episode on the brainstorm. So that mm. at the end of the at the end of each each session, each episode, they know what the next step is, and the GM has enough time to figure out what that means. Interesting. That reminds me of something I'd come across. That way lies madness and articles on um the Western Schism. <laughs> and also the Knights Hospitalia. Very normal bunch of people. Compared to some of the lot who came after, kind of. Yeah, I recently came across something called a West Marches style game, which is a fundamentally it's an open world, nominally Dungeons and Dragons, but a, a, an open world game where the players basically decide where they're going next week. There is a pool of players, and whoever can turn up turns up and they deal with whatever they decide to deal with. So it's, it's very, very ad hoc. It sounds like it, it, there's a minimum requirement that the, the GM is completely confident with the system, has a setting where they can say, all right, they're going to the Ogre Cave. I know what the Ogre Cave is about. Here are some some encounters for them and setting it up. But, it's, but the way that the, 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 the parties are set up is very ad hoc. And it just goes from week to week to week with them wandering around doing their stuff, but building their own kind of their own kind of story. There is a there is not like an overarching plot in the background. If there's things that they are into, of course, that persist in the world. But it's uh, it's less about the 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 big picture outside of the the adventurers themselves, which I found quite interesting. It has aspects of some of the the organised play that I did through the, you know, the DQ Guild. But in some ways, it really doesn't, as far as like the the party being like constantly shifting. And in fact, it just like the nights when things were organised was basically just down to people um, availability. So yeah, that's 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 interesting. Hmm. I've not heard of that particular style of play. No, no, it's it's not it's not new either. The article I found it's a fairly established game developer who does all sorts of things. But yeah. Huh. It looks like it was come up with by Ben Robbins, who does Microscope and Kingdom. So, oh. yeah, so I like that. It's, it's an interesting thing. It's a, it would, of course, work best in formats where you have lots of players and copious free time. But, yeah, kind of cool. Kind of a cool idea. Hmm. Indeed. If your game and players and, indeed, GM support sort of random drop-in shared storytelling one of the, the conditions is though that the players go well that's a dragon we're coming back here in, in 20 levels <laughs> <laughs> and not before <laughs> just the nope, nope 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 yeah so yeah cool that's interesting i, I like I like that little bit of world building you scuffling around on wikipedia and talking about that was that's uh, genuinely interesting and that's uh, i guess that the thing is that a, a player with an, an interest in those sorts of things could could either bring those up or come up with something you know parallel to say okay in this 
this reality, you know, you have a checkerboard of popes across medieval Europe, and they're all they're constantly vying to be king of the popes, and just go completely gonzo with it. Hmm. And of course, they will be correct because that's how it works, people. Hmm. Indeed. Well, at the very least, they should be entertaining. Correct is a matter for the um, arbitration of history. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. 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 All right. No, I like that. I like that. It's both the concept and the idea that, you know, your game might come up with this wacky, it might be a right wildly wacky conclusion that aha, the, the coffee in the um, the cafeteria was tainted and that's why we're seeing this. We will follow that clue. Or, right, we must go to Malta. <laughs> yeah, immediately. Yeah. So there's a bit of, so there's definitely some, some, some range there. I quite appreciate that. So as a game... That is more of a, it's more of a structure to hang an investigative, possibly pulpy style Dan Brown escapade. That's, that's my feeling, yeah. Mm, cool, cool. No, it's, that's a really good sort of set of genre tropes to copy, but mechanically, you, if you get the whole blank stares looking like a, a dog that's been showed a card trick kind of thing from the players, because they can't get the specific references you've been dropping. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a better solution to be slightly more um, easy going with it. It does mean that you, when you start the adventure, drop the first clue, drop the first whatever, will genuinely have no idea where it's ending. Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing is that the, the Games Master is also contributing. Mm. And this is, again, safety tools being able to, to say you're all 14 years old, international travel isn't what we're dealing with here. Or maybe it, maybe it's your 14 year old, you're 14 years old, absolutely this is a scenario where you could do international travel because because of the circumstance of the game. If But if in fact it would be ridiculous otherwise, there's, I mean, those sort of using using the X card for tone and so forth is a, is a really, a really good way of shaping those sorts of, not that actually to be, to be honest, I, I want to try that out more i want to see more of those sorts of things in games i'm playing in where you can say nah we've done that or wait a minute that doesn't make sense in this game that we've played up to this point it would be mm. good you know it'd be good to be you know to, to rather than stop someone having fun but limit the option reduce the scope of what you're doing so you can concentrate on something that makes more sense in the context of the game you're actually playing because you just chuck kitchen sink stuff in there. That can just be is disrupt. That can be very disruptive and confusing. Oh yeah, you got if you've got that one guy who is constantly trying to throw in Monty Python references. This is going to go badly, or very well, depending on what pe other people feel about. It. If it is literally the fish slap dance, the theme is just ridiculous Monty Python antics. That's fine. It's when they want to drop them into things that is otherwise serious, or it just, you know, maybe just other people around the table going, what is this crazy person talking? I have had that situation where there were sort of two of us sort of treating it relatively lightheartedly but seriously, and one guy who was sort of a half a step away from going full on fish milk on it. Mm. And that was a challenging situation for the GM, I feel. Yeah, yeah, and GMs are challenged enough in general, so. So yes, that was that was my idea. Um, do we want to do yours? Do we want to? 
I can, yeah. No, I like that one. That was that was very. That was quite interesting. Yay! My idea that I came up with was well, kind of inspired by what's going on, but also the thought that, as I said, I can't quite remember the exact providence of the Maltese Falcon because I know that, I know that how my brain works is that I will remember a lot of different references to something, and often the first thing you run into, especially, especially pre-internet might be an ad hoc reference to it in a mad magazine a, a, you know a, like an, i used to collect like back in my my very very early days like beano and buster and things like that and they would have references to stuff that were just references in some in some ways as far as, and, and you'd, you'd say okay i recognize that phrase but you came by the context in a very muddled way and i and in the pre-internet era, I was I was reminded of the fact that I used to work in the video department of what was a of what was a bookstore, and at that time, and it literally was the VHS tapes, shading at the end of my 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 tenure there into you know the newfangled DVDs. But if someone wanted to know if a particular film was in VHS format, what we'd do is get a big Hallowell's movie guy, figure out what studio published it figure out and we knew from that who probably had the rights to it in new zealand and then we could ring up the supplier and, and they could say nope we don't do that <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, they would do releases of things but they wouldn't do they wouldn't was not streaming it was not like print on demand or anything like that they would do a run of things and eventually they would sell out or just be no more so that was a it was a, a different era entirely you could you could hold incorrect information in your head relatively unchallenged or you know a memory of a show or something i think i my parents had probably one of the most minor arguments that they had was they couldn't they couldn't decide whether the autons were in doctor who or the avengers not the avengers what was the Emma Peel and um, what's his name? Avengers. They were the Avengers. Okay, so again, you know, this, also this, the this, new Avengers, but the Avengers. Not the not not the the Marvel Avengers superheroes, but the ones from the the sixties. No, the vastly more stylish and um, hat wearing. Indeed, indeed, very, very stylish. The thing is, the, the strong possibility is because of the era, they may have been in both, and they were just like the <clears> the, the plasticky mannequin people who 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 came to life and threatened people because people were being presumably at the time, the most terrifying thing aside from the cold war going hot were storefront mannequins. It was a different time. It was a different time, but yeah, that crossed over with the, the current situation where we are all sheltering in place and trying not to, to limit our contact and stuff and so forth with the idea of a more, a less respiratory and more mimetic virus triggered by sort of nonsense phrases and conversation would mean people not only are isolating physically but isolating socially the idea that say these things could be you could pick up this way of thinking by conversing with somebody would kind of remove this 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 entire level of community that we've got these days and could be quite a terrifying thing however the idea that you know you've got communicable madness is also not a great mental health thing and one of the one of the things that remind me on turn is the idea i don't know if i ever shared this with you the notion that the 
protagonists in the game left for dead and are the people who are unwell okay they're actually having this violent this violent group hallucination that there's zombie apocalypse and are in fact slaughtering their way the zombies may not actually be there at all possibly not at all but yeah it, it, it does fall down the fact that if, it, if they're just failing to recognize normal people as, as zombies why they why those people appear to be running towards the uh, gun the gun wielding lunatics is a little bit shaky but it's 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 not a it's not a not a well enclosed idea but the idea that you can you could be separated from the the rest of the the society isolated by like a bizarre set of beliefs and the the, the story would be more about people basically the, the 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 pcs coming to terms with that not that they are the the last stalwart holdouts of you know some great idea it's like no they're actually damaged in some way and being able to uh, overcome this and accept the fact that the world has changed and moved on is something they need to do and and you know and so a, a, a game in which is rather than society that is broken and terrible is that if they're actually coming to terms with wait a minute maybe we're the monsters would be an interesting thing okay yeah as, as you said sort of before we started recording it makes a hell of a short story hmm that's how to how to turn it into a game yeah that that would be the challenging part that's one of those ideas that come this would be a really th interesting thing to explore if only i had the faintest idea how and it puts me, well, it puts me vaguely in mind of a couple of things. One is the movie Pontypool. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good good call. It's sort of a linguistic horror film. Snow Crash to some degree. There's sort of the, um, oh, yeah. was it the Nam Shub of Enki or whatever it is? The, um, That'd be the one. Was it Moldy Old Babylonian or Sumerian? I think it was, um, I think it was Sumerian. Yeah, I yeah. could be wrong, but I think it was... The... Uh, the linguistic machine code mm. um and the other one was a game by i think charles ryan i think called psychosis which i'll be honest i never really understood the characters are all basically perceiving the world as different from objective reality mm. and indeed different different from each other Ooh. And I think I, I did have one of the books for it, which was the crew of a spaceship. Only they may not always be aware that they are the crew of a spaceship. They may not be aware of who the people they're interacting with are and what these people are trying to get them to do and what the significance of that might be. So sort of this reality disconnect kind of mm. kind of thing going on. It does sound tricky. I would... Yeah. I'd certainly go for a consensus a, cons a consensus hallucination rather than a, that it's fractured to that degree but yeah mm. but yeah as far as i guess you've got two parts of the game well two two and a bit parts you've got the players figuring out that they are the ones who are wrong and then the what do they do about it i'm not sure it's the, it might be a, a like stated effect in in front that the the players are aware of it that's the characters who are determining that they are it's it's possibly working through the process how the characters realize that they're out of touch okay 
so yeah so making that the the kind of the objective or at least seeing the journey to getting to that sort of state would be interesting that simplifies it a bit mm, mm. from a certain point of view because then you've got this sort of this psychological journey kind of kind of game and i believe there are systems out there that will will sort of lend themselves to that though absolutely none of them are coming to mind at the current point which is immensely irritating hmm well yeah, it's the kind of game you don't want to stealth that kind of this kind of stuff onto the people because no I, you know it, it patently is pretentious bullshit and I'm down for that, but not everyone is. <laughs> you, you want to front load your, your pretentious bullshit so that people, absolutely, absolutely. people can re read the, the label, as it were. Yeah. This is your, your daily recommended requirement of pretentious bullshit. FDA mm. approved. So, yeah, it is, it is a the world is not what we think it is game, and we are the ones uh, who are in the wrong. Yeah, so it, I guess it's a little... I am legend? Yeah, it's a little I am legend, in a way. But kind of front-loaded mm. with the idea that yeah the the protagonist the the possibly the if i don't recall if this but the story is presented as the protagonist flashbacks to the situation and they are aware of it as they are retelling the story in a way but not from the original the original story of yeah yeah I, I... I, don't, I don't believe it is but if you were to restructure the story so it was like yeah. wow i screwed up this is how i screwed up Mm. yeah that does make yeah that does make a certain amount of sense but not all of the sense so this might be just one of those ones where we get to go well that's fascinating walk around and then leave <laughs> i i will also chuck in yet another meme you can't have too many references uh which would be the graphic novel dog moo mm -hmm. it was to my memory written by the ly lyricist for the grateful dead good start after he'd had this weird, he was unwell with something that was causing a high fever and basically kept on having these hallucinatory dreams that were all connected. And so we wrote a comic based on that hmm. series of connected dreams. It's relatively old, like a late 80s kind of. Like I think the... so, yeah. Late 80s, early 90s is I my memory. I, I may have borrowed it back in the, uh, back in the 90s and I had a read. Yeah. Could be. And yeah, that one also had this shtick of the world isn't what yeah, isn't a hundred percent what what the protagonist thinks it is, and the story of the comic is that character coming to realise that. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe the challenges for the party are determining what things they're interacting with are helping them, and what things are harming them. And trying to trying to interact with us because they they maybe they have may have general counterparts in the world it might be very much like a Wizard of Oz kind of scenario, and they're and they are, they are experiencing this this kind of warped reality for whatever reason. But it, there there is there are counterparts or even direct. This is just the the augmented reality they're overlaying over the world. So they're just kind of <laughs> so they what they're trying to do is figure the puzzle out but keep them make sure that they're they're talking to their social worker or making sure they're they're, they're you know but not playing on the uh in the abandoned building or something like that so yeah, maybe that is the that's the the goal is to 
keep interacting with the world but make the best choices based on decoding what's going on makes sense yeah it would be an interesting one it's a tricky one but it would function very much on dream logic and the kind of this tree is a spaceship kind of child's imagination play hmm hmm actually shades of the despair squid episode of red dwarf yes yes indeed a, a very good episode of red dwarf hmm, hmm. interesting clearly one that needs more uh more noggin time but so many of our ideas do indeed indeed all right well that was that was pretty cool that yeah that is an interesting one like, i kind of like that i'm just not sure how, how to do it <laughs> yeah yeah very much very much so um shall, shall we have we shall we move on from that one or? absolutely absolutely what what does uh lovely audience have to say oh lovely audience member john came up with a pitch and um yes like i said his is a much better or at least more robust version of mine but i'm going to go first because i can indeed it is the uh, privilege of rank or whatever we get for fighting in the podcast wars it's something yes oh the grim podcast wars so many packets lost in the rain <laughs> um oh by the way have you been watching avenue five no I have hard recommend Hugh Laurie in a bonkers dystopian, well, kind of post-dystopian because he is allegedly the captain on a luxury space cruise liner that's going on a, and this rings a bell. Yeah, and and they keep they keep throwing the so it's 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 the it's like later in the century, but they keep referencing for the time where the time where something terrible happened in the past and you're like oh what are they talking about and they just reference it very vaguely <laughs> it's like you're moving on i don't recall precisely which which service it's on but it is funny and bleak and full of idiots but okay. yeah so that uh, briefly reminded me of <laughs> of there that so hard recommend for that series it is a uh, it's a hoot um in a kind of okay. horrifying spiral sort of way it's it's made by the same guy who's who did in the loop and other sorts of political things okay cool all right i will yes because that i think was the second time somebody's mentioned that i didn't mm. recognize it at first but when you mentioned hugh laurie and and the bits of the setting it came back mm-hmm. uh, it's like only nine nine episodes long but fuck <laughs> it's one of those ones where you don't go oh no well courtesy of of having taken one of my monitors home uh from work i now have a much bigger screen to watch streaming media on than the um screen on my tablet so oh knows whatever will you do yeah oh knows <laughs> all right so my pitch number two for the maltese falcon gun is based on the fact that the phrase the maltese falcon gun a famous weapon once owned by the king of the popes Sounds like the sort of thing that you might get if, hypothetically, some manga artist or anime studio made a show somewhat based on or inspired by the Maltese Falcon, and somebody watched that and assumed that was what the Maltese Falcon was about. Mm-hmm. It, it's like it's like taking the sort of um, English history from Helsing. Yes, 
Yes, you, you've watched Helsing, therefore you know how the, the goes. This kind of thing. And so, yes, this is pulpy anime adventure. The Knights of Malta battle villains and evildoers using wildly out-of-time period gunpowder weaponry. A sort of a, a high-action alchemy punk setting. Mm-hmm. So you've got elements of the movie Van Helsing. I would say it in the pre-Crusade era, so that you've got people who are racing down alleyways, sort of elaborately decorated matchlock firearms are incredibly anachronistic. Mm. Lots of action, very little history, and the bad guys are known by their uh, actions, not by their religious or political affiliations, because I'm not walking into that one. Yeah. And yeah, something like you could use Castle Falkenstein for this. Equally, you could use Hong Kong action theater for this. I would, if you're going to like Full Metal Alchemist or like or the, the new Castlevania series, which I know is on Netflix, I would go for something like Hong Kong action series that, you know, when the berserk dial is turned up, it gets berserk. Yeah. Mm. And that's that's kind of what I have in mind. Yeah, this is effectively the, the TV show of when somebody, yeah, somebody read the Maltese Falcon, maybe did a little bit of reading about the Knight's Hospitality, just came up with this utterly bonkers anime, and then some poor schmuck writing an essay on film noir watched the wrong thing. Or, or got the wrong cliff notes, or confused the two from late-night streaming binges. Indeed. And because I mentioned that this prompt had come up to Dr. Kev, he did mention a couple of other things that had come out of that batch of students. Uh, there was the Maltese Batman... Because according to this student, the driving plot elements behind the entirety of the Maltese Falcon is that the protagonist's parents were murdered by the bad guy. This is not what happened. Uh, And the other one was somebody mentioning in an essay, again, this is happening in an exam, it's a stressful situation, things go wrong. Uh, And what went wrong here is that they are doing an essay on Blade Runner and mentioned the scene in which somebody who is flying using big metal wings Sings, which is mm. a scene from the movie Brazil. And possibly other movies, but definitely not Blade Runner. Definitely not Blade Runner. Not, not even the new one. <laughs> no, sir. I mean, maybe they were trying, they, they, they can with the unicorns, the one of the many thousands of different cuts of, of, of Blade Runner, but um, mm. yeah. he still know that's in Brazil. So yes, that was, that was my take on the idea. And then John came along and did it better. Mm-hmm. John writes this is a scenario hook for that most mental of games Diana Warrior Princess this game is by the master games designer Mark Rowland and takes as its premise that the setting it tries to portray the present day with the same level of accuracy that Xena portrays ancient Greece i.e. not much but we're not going to use Princess Di and her sturdy friend Fergie for this one no we're going to use the spin-off setting Elvis, the legendary tours. The players are Elvis and his band of merry men on tour doing good deeds as they seek the magical land of grace. When they receive word that the famous motorcycle central detective, Rainbow Dash Hammett, needs help finding her Maltese falcon gun. I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> I, I hadn't read all the way down on that one. You <laughs> pause for a second there just to soak in the, uh, the, the glory. Yep. The gun was made for that most famous king of the popes, Charlie Maine. Legend has it, 
God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took me a second as well. Yeah. Legend has it that it was wrought from Damascus steel and gold-plated, encrusted with jewels. It is reputed to be the only way to kill a pope other than by old age. It disappears soon after Chow bit the big one, vanishing into antiquity. But it keeps popping up in history, claiming at least three popes so far. Everyone assumed that the church got, got it and now it resides in the Fortress Vatican. Only Rainbow Dash has been hired by a mysterious woman to go to find it in the city that never sleeps, home to many a vampire. New, New York City, the big banana. Beside the system, feel free to plunder the movie The Maltese Falcon for plot and setting. Uncle Sam could be the, the villain in this one, seeking out the gun to murder the current Pope. Pope John Francis Giuseppe Fillmore, the 14th? I'm practically certain that's not, that's not how you write. No. Fillmore, the IVX, which is four before, t four before ten, which is six, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's six before ten, which is four, which should be IV. No. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're the 14th. If, probably 14th. 14th or, yeah. Oh, boy. Maybe just skip that bit instead. <laughs> <laughs> Fillmore the 14th. Or come up with your own twisted plot for, for a bunch of noir detective movies of the 30s and 40s. Yeah, that is, that's a lot. That is... Like I said, John did it better than mine. Yeah, that definitely has the feel of a semi-inebriated con game, but it has the, the, the feel of an excellent semi-inebriated con game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Charlie Maine. Oh. Yeah, we'll find you. <laughs> uh, the, that has the whole vibe of I'm going to dance on chairs, I'm going to dance on tables, I might even be sick on myself again. It will be an awesome game. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, that's that's pretty that's pretty amazing. Whew. Okay. No, no, that was that was a good time. That was a good time. We will definitely uh... just the sheer level of awful, awful gags in there is. I mean, Rainbow Dash Hammer was bad enough. It took me a while to get Charlie Mann. Oh, yeah, yeah. I am wondering what I'm missing with John Francis Giuseppe Fillmore. I feel like there's a gag there, but I don't know what it is. Indeed, indeed. I'm in that boat with you there. I, I'm sure someone will, will, will explain it to us at some point, or, you know, we'll, we'll click in the middle of the night and groan, groan deeply. Yeah, like, ah, damn you, John! <laughs> Alrighty. Um... That's, yeah, like I said, that is a much better take, and I suspect a much better system than what I came up with. So go with that. Yeah, it certainly has its merits. Alrighty, so an exciting set of suggestions for our Coughpocalypse episode of The Big Red Couch. Indeed. I guess it all remains is to uh, let you know what the uh, winner for the polls for the next episode will be and to give you your updated options which include standing six feet from anybody and and coughing into your elbow nice <laughs> so that means it's time to announce what the uh, topic for the next episode will be and take it away craig right the the audience has voted decisively and the winner is superpowers or your money back 100% guaranteed. Hurrah. So, look forward to that. That was suggested by John, who is 
keeping his end up as the uh, trusty audience there. Also, you may look forward to voting for the poll options for the following episode, which will be 141. Starts off with Malevolent Immediacy. Followed closely by Power Drift. Coming up on the inside is X Kills Y. And sitting at the back of the pack is here. Have a protein squirrel. Indeed. Oh. I'm not sure why we ended up with a racing analogy for that one. I uh, it just kind of it just kind of happened, I think. So we'll we'll just, yeah, let, yeah. just let let's let it go. Let's let it go. Thank you for joining for this this most somber of episodes where we discuss things with the utmost clarity of vision and and concern for our our fragile world. And join us next time for superpowers or your money back. <laughs> 100% guaranteed. So 100% the money or 100% that they're going to give you the money back. Because either if it's just, in fact if it's either of those <laughs> it's both great. But <laughs> So join us then and until then, take care be safe and uh, gripe your family set up an online game Yeah, Enjoy your splendid self-isolation. Indeed. There's a Warren Zavon song of a uh, very, cl- very close title there, so we might have to link that as well. Good night, everybody. Good night. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, 3.0 unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time!